episode 279, Rob Fajardo. Leave normal behind in our last episode of 2017. Welcome. Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, former teacher and athlete, now turned lifestyle entrepreneur, best-selling author, keynote speaker, and host of the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Get to the podcast. I'm getting to it, Adam. As usual, please do head over to ayalpha.com to connect with the show, connect with me, and really get all the exclusive stuff and what it's all about. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. Okay, this week it's all about leaving normal behind. We have Rob Fajardo on the line. He is the founder of Leave Normal Behind and one of the viral marketing partners that created the fidget spinner phenomenon, phenomenon even, that we're gonna dig into. He's a sought after Forbes featured millennial influencer, speaker and business advisor who's worked with notable brands like Red Bull. Rob, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Yeah, let's do it. I'm super excited, man. I appreciate you for having me. No worries. I say, I suppose the power of a brand, like awaken your alpha, leave normal behind. I like it. I feel like either one could be the tagline for the other one. So I definitely, I connected with your message there. Is there anything else you'd like to add to your very brief intro there? No, I think, you know, it's a pretty good summary right now. Yeah. Leave normal behind is, is everything that we're all about. And, and the biggest mission behind LNB is inspiring others to become the best version of themselves and create things that matter. You know, and we're doing a bunch of different things underneath that umbrella, you know, and it, this is a long, long, you know, journey for us. And, you know, the impact that we're looking at is like on a 500, 1000 year, you know, scale with Leave Normal Behind. And you're really doing things to put, th- put it in place that it outlasts, you know, ourselves and the generations after that and after that. Because yeah, it's an interesting thought, right? When you, when you ask yourself, like, how long will it take to history for history to to swallow you up you know yeah so with leaving all behind i mean if someone finds you online you've got the tv show that you shoot and mm-hmm. again you're based in new york city so mm-hmm. i mean tell us if, if someone finds you online what are they likely to see first you know some people come through my my personal brand you know as a young millennial thought leader I'm 24 years old and um yeah, kind of doing, you know, if you've seen Gary Vee, Lewis House, Grant Cardone, Gerard Adams, similar type videos in our own leave normal behind way, yeah. you know, where I'm really one of the pioneers that's engineering this process of like documenting the road to becoming successful. Whereas most people have been successful, have gotten successful and are now reminiscing on, hey, here's what I did to get success. Yeah. You know, like my third or fourth year online of showing everything step by step, yep. which is like, this is what it looks like to develop better habits, to meet mentors, to close big deals, to be a part of things, you know, and, and people have been able to really follow our journey organically over like the past three years or so. So either from, you know, my personal brand and the videos that I make and the stuff that, you know, I participate in or leave normal behind, you know, where we do have a TV show every uh, Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. And we give like um, a leave normal behind perspective on trending topics around the world and also bring on guests who are leaving normal behind, becoming the best version of themselves and creating things that matter. You know, I think the new influencer market is not with, right? We all understand that, that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Google are just throttle their algorithms and, you know, your reach just gets depleted. So you have to think about true influence is not about width, it's about depth. Right. And 
a thousand people watching your views, right? Someone's like, oh, I need to get 5,000 views. I'm getting a thousand views. A thousand people watching your views, we have to remember, are a thousand eyeballs with hearts, like fingers. They're people, right? So if you're creating better content, you should still be pretty influential and succeed despite a limited reach, right? So now influence is not becoming about width. Like it's like, oh, look how many followers I have. Now it's about depth. And it's like, what am I actually doing with yeah. the people who are actually following me, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's where, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's important. I mean, even on the most basic level, when you see these sort of accounts where they have, you know, huge numbers and then if they, they post something and there's no like, no interaction where whatever medium it's on and you think, well, how did they get these? Is it quite manufactured? And then you see other people, it's very, you know, interactive, either groups, like you say, it could mm -hmm. be a smaller group, but they're mm -hmm. you know, really going deep with them. Yeah. So, this is the origin question. I know you're based in New York City now, but where are you originally from? Um, and mm. what you're doing now is obviously not the sort of thing that they probably went through careers at school. What, no. exactly, yeah. what did you want to be growing up and when did you kind of feel like you found your way in this? Yeah, so I appreciate you asking the question about you know, the origin because a lot of our audiences are different and you know, some people may be unfamiliar about myself. So I... I believe, you know, the fact that you're a PE teacher, sports is like such a good thing to do that can really add discipline and also really, you know, guide ambition. So I still remember being very young and there's these two athletes, right? Like Derek Jeter, who's a great baseball player, and also Mike Piazza, who's a great baseball player around New York City area where I was born. And I just always remember, I was like, you know, wow, if Derek Jeter or Mike Piazza said anything, people would listen to them because they're Derek Jeter or Mike Piazza. Yeah. Oh, when I say things, I want people to listen to what I'm saying and I want to say good things that help people. Oh, I'm athletic. I'm going to be like Derek Jeter and Mike Piazza. Right? <laughs> yeah. It was like the next 15 or 17 years of my existence of just like playing football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse, swimming, karate, right? Just doing the whole, the whole nine um, I'm the oldest of five kids, you know, so my brother is, uh, so I'm 24. My brother, Eric, is uh, 22. Then I have a sister uh, who's 21, turning 22. And then a brother who's 17 and, and a younger sister who's 13. So um, we're always playing sports. Um, and a big way that Leave Normal Behind actually came about was at one of the most traumatic moments of my life where, you know, this whole time playing sports, going to all these trainers, traveling around the country, playing at these tournaments. The whole idea was like, oh, get a scholarship, get recruited, yeah. go play division one, then go pro. And at this time, you know, I'm not reading personal development books. I'm not consciously or spiritually aware. I'm in the most three-dimensional alpha male, masculine, scarcity mindset that there is, right? Because no one makes it pro. You're not too, you're too short, you're too wide, you're too tall, you're too yeah. fast, you're too slow, you're too skinny, right? It's, it's without even knowing it. Did honest. you kind of focus in on one sport towards Yeah, that? so I ended up playing football and baseball. Okay. I wanted to play uh, baseball professionally. I ended up playing baseball and football throughout high school and also basketball for a little bit in high school. Played football and baseball at Amherst College in Massachusetts in after I was recruited from high school and I was in college when I ended up transitioning out of both sports and really diving in full with entrepreneurship. Um, but it was at what actually happened at 18 that really guided, you know, this 
mindset, you know, that I didn't really discover was leaving normal behind until about two years later, which was we were at this big, you know, baseball tournament. Yeah. And at, um, on July 1st, you can get all of the, like all the colleges can call, you know, I'm not too sure how it works out other unis, you know, the recruitment process yeah. in the United States. So it's just such so like, so capitalist, right? It's like a frenzy. Like you're getting calls. People are offering you full ride scholarships. Like, you know, it's just like off the chain. So, yeah. um, I'm like sitting in a room with, um, like 30 other guys in Virginia and this is like the moment you all been waiting for. And as soon as the, the, the coaches can start calling, the phone start going off the hook, like, you know, Duke, you know, USC, Princeton, Harvard, Florida, you know, all the great schools, Texas. And I was the only one in the room that didn't get a call. And it, was, and it was because, and it was because I had not played in my high school season because my high school coach was not too fond of me, not because of my skill, but just because he was one of those guys that played favorites. Yeah. And this idea of just like politics and sports, it was crazy, you know? So it was this whole idea. I was like, wow, you could do every rep, stay after practice, travel. Like I was traveling an hour and a half every day of school, like a hundred miles just for these practices. And I was like, but at the end of the day, if you give somebody else the opportunity to hand you your dream, then they still have the opportunity to take it away from you, even if you did everything to deserve it. Yeah. You know, and that just, that idea for me, I just promised, I'd say, wow, you know, I would never do something again, work so hard for something that I didn't have full control of the outcome. And that thought, you know, ended up really being the seed that truly grew into the basis of this leave normal behind ethos. And it's not become an entrepreneur, but it's have full control of your life and design your life in the way that makes you most fulfilled and satisfied. And it's a life that you, you don't complain about. Yeah, no, that's, that's huge completely. When it comes to, obviously you sort of, you said you did, then you didn't realize what, what exactly it was, but it was more that mindset and making sure you take control. Mm-hmm. Who helped awaken your alpha? And maybe it might've been more closer to when sort of leave normal behind came, came to, to came about. Yeah. yeah so, so who, who's, who have you inspired you or who do you look up to? Or was it might've just been someone who said the right thing at the right time to kind of set you on yeah. the path? I think, I think for me, um, a couple things. So I think different spiritual experiences is what happens to, you know, to wake your inner alpha. Um, whereas through meditation, reading, exercise, psychedelics, you know, there's a lot of ways that end up having one tap into their spiritual self. My first go-to for people is, is always go to books. So around the time when I was a sophomore in uni, I asked myself, well, what's my major league talent? Am I really trying to go pro? And I thought to myself, I'm like, it's not that I want to go pro. It's that I want to have a platform that I could use to influence people in a positive way. And now because I was older, you see that other avenues like entrepreneurship is just another platform to do the same base need. So at that time, you know, I was like, you know, my major league talent has got to be my brain. And I encourage everyone to think the same way where I just ended up transitioning out of both sports and just diving heavily, heavily into books of all kinds, history, philosophy, spirituality, personal growth, and utilizing those first books as your, you know, most basic mentors 
because they give you the best foundation that you're going to use as a launch pad to have like the fundamentals in life. You know, so some basics are the ones that everyone knows, right? Think and grow rich. And yep. Napoleon Hill, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, checking out things on Law of Attraction, The Secret, but even going deeper right into the quantum physics of it, like uh, Breaking the Habits of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza, who's a quantum physicist. You know, I, I really view books as like vitamins, you know, and it's almost like it's almost like vaccines, right? It's like, you know, you get a tetanus shot so that if you, you touch metal, you don't get infected by rust, right? It's the same way as if you read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, and now you are better equipped to like handle yourself and others, you know, and it's, and it's viewing books in that way where it's like saying like, hey, you know, do I have all my fundamental vitamins? You know, do I, am I doing like the fundamental Rolodex of information that I need to be effective? So yeah, around that time was how I w- woke in my inner alpha because it was a combination of being multidisciplinary, you know, and, and really being able to see the world and leveraging different types of knowledge from different disciplines is like truly how you gain like a bigger and greater perspective of it all. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it talks about on leaving all behind, you know, your core beliefs to live with a purpose. What are some of, it doesn't have to go through all of them, but what do you think are some of the, your real core beliefs to living with a purpose and why do you feel that's so important? Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the first one is lead with love. You know, there's, there's a lot of science around the heart and we're energetic beings, right? And really finding it is what you love and loving inside out that's a first core fundamental principle Mm -hmm. that's just going to put you in the right direction and start really moving things and in your way like in your favor the next is is being authentic it's just that until you become truly authentic you're going to stay normal that's it anyone who has ever gotten anyone to follow them has gotten them to follow them based on who they are yeah and until you find out who you are, you're going to stay normal. It's a fact. Because once people buy into you, they're going to buy into everything that you do. And no one's going to buy into you until you find out who you are and until you're unequivocally who you are, right? And it's also the best of you who you are because then you're never going to be found out to be a fake, right? You yeah. find out people are good at finding out and sniffing out bullshit, right? So at some point, the, the, the shows up, you know, yeah. so it's like just in the very beginning are building it as where you're at. Yeah. It's like the greatest asset that you have because it's almost like you're indestructible as long as you keep staying alive, you know, so that authenticity component I think is really important. And the next, you know, if I was to just give five, yep. you know, the next would be um, constant knowledge acquisition. And what we say is like, you know, valuing personal growth over money. Yeah. Right? And if you're personally growing and you're valuing becoming the best version of yourself, you're going to attract more money. It's just a fact, you know. The fourth is going to be to take full responsibility of everything. It's just no one has time to hear your complaining. <laughs> yeah. It's just a fact. It's just like, because the fifth, and this is probably one that I personally am so big on, is just move from being excuse-oriented to solution-oriented. Like, I get it. It may not be happening right now, 
but don't tell me why it's not happening. Tell me how it can happen. Yeah. And when it comes to obviously your journey, and I know we're going to dig into some more specifics of probably kind of almost deconstructing how and why it went so massive and viral and such a huge success. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in some cases for people listening, fidget spinners, they went absolutely everywhere. You couldn't mm -hmm. get away from them for a little bit. They're still about, but tell me about how that came about and your involvement in the fidget spinner. And you know, then we can break down kind of some of the processes and how you made it such a success or helped. Yeah. So yeah, the fidget spinner story is great. You know, we definitely had a lot of success and we were able to make them go super viral. It was myself um, and a team of three others, Gerard Adams, uh, Cooper Weiss, and Alan Maman. Um, so the story behind Fidget Spinners is it was around November um, 2016, right? This is before anyone had ever seen a Fidget Spinner. Mm -hmm. um, it was around the time, though, that the Fidget Cube was picking up some buzz and had just raised about $5 million on Kickstarter. Okay. So my background is that you know a year and a half ago i worked with kevin jonas from the jonas brothers in a influencer network called the blue market okay. and we had access to a large influencer network of like 300 million users online just through different viral pages he was a co-ceo of this company one of my good friends um was the guy that actually created instagram shout out for shout outs like the whole concept of an instagram shout out for shout out when we were like 16 or 17. So I had through like social currency, right? Good, strong relationships when it came to like viral marketing. Yeah. At, also at that time, I was helping Gerard Adams build Founders, which is an incubator, um, social accelerator in Newark, New Jersey. And Gerard's background is that he was a co-founder of this website called Elite Daily, which is like a millennial website um, that sold to the Daily Mail for about 50 million about like three years ago or so three or four years ago. Yeah. So what had happened was, so I went to a, a event in San Diego called Thrive Thrive with Cole and Sonia Hatter. Oh, yep, yep. I know them. Awesome. Great, I mean, great guys, awesome guy, yeah. Yeah, great people. And, and um, so I end up seeing Alan there and we had been connected online through an entrepreneurship group. And so I meet him in person and he's playing with two fidget spinners, like two prototypes, one that was like made of metal and too small and one that was 3D printed and too big. <laughs> and I had seen a fidget spinner. I don't know if I was targeted by it, you know, or uh, because I had been looking up the fidget cube, but it was like very serendipitous. Like I had just seen it either that day or the day before. So our MO is that we didn't invent fidget spinners. Yeah we resurfaced fidget spinners and made them known to everyone today. And so, yeah, we're the ones that ended up marketing them first to a mass scale, which ended up creating like the trend. I was going to say, so in terms of that, from a business opportunity, you started, I mean, what was the first, first way you started? Mark? Was it just very basic or how, you know, when did you realize you was onto something? And no, yeah. So I mean, we blew it how up. did you, cause it, everyone jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah. We, I mean, we blew it up pretty fast. I'm not going to lie. You know, so, yeah. you know, our biggest thing is that we pass up the patents, you know, so in hindsight, you know, it was going to cost about 40 grand or so and just like legal fees to really patent up fidget spinners, you know, cause the story goes in. So we were 3d printing them, yeah. you know? So at that time he was like, you know, I, I met Alan, we were in San Diego and he goes, we've been selling them for about two weeks in school. We've done about two grand or so you know, and they got banned from three classrooms. And as soon as he told me they got banned from three classrooms, I was like, bro, I know I can make this go super viral. <laughs> so 
he's just like, yeah, let's start talking about it. So he starts coming in, meeting with me, and I'm like putting it in Gerard's ear as well. Um, then I'm like, dude, you know, I'm gonna, I, these things are going to go viral. I know it. Like, I'm going to make it happen, but it'd be dope if we can make it happen together. You know, let's come on and help, you know, these kids. They were 17 at the time, both of them. Yeah. You know, let's be the marketing partners to them manufacturing them and 3D printing them and handling all the logistics and fulfillment and design, X, Y, Z. And so, you know, at first he was like a little timid because everyone's like, yo, that's so stupid. That looks so simple. But, you know, I would always say it's just simple enough that's going to work. You know, I'm telling you. Um, and because I'm a customer of this, right? As an entrepreneur, I'm always tapping, clicking my foot, right? So I'm fidget spinning all the time. I still have my fidget spinner that I use. You know, even just as like, I'd rather be doing that. I love fidget spinning. So what, what was stage one for you? Like you say, because they are so simple. What, so yeah. after that meeting, what, where did you start in terms of building this, the, the phenomenon, as it were? Or was, was it just kind of leveraging what was already starting to happen? Obviously, they've been banned from a couple of classes. So then what we did is, so then me and Gerard ended up coming out and investing a little bit of money into ad spend and leveraging our network um, through Instagram pages to start posting them on huge theme pages with millions of followers of, you know, a minute long video, like viral videos on fidget spinners. You know, so as soon as we started posting, we would, you know, spend, you were getting like six to eight times return every time we'd spend any amount of money, you know, so we had about four months of headroom, you know, we, we knew we were going to get ripped off, you know, and, and, but back to that conversation is it's, it's very, it's a good le lesson, but it's also like the best thing. And then going back, we probably would have done it, done it again. We were like, you know, if we were to put these legal fees up front, are you guys going to be the CEO and CEO of a fidget spinner company? Right. And turn this into the slinky, turn this into the pool noodle, like, yeah. like really have this be your MO or is this going to be a pump and dump product that we're going to make, you know, a good amount of money on and then, you know, go on to the next thing. And we all had said, you know, this is probably going to be a pump or dump project. And even we underestimated the ultra virality would go. Dude, yeah. This got on USA today, fidget spinners did $500 million worldwide. Wow. You know? So it's like, you know, thinking about in terms of like the mass mass market, probably even more, you know, by now that, that, that's, that was about like months ago. It was a huge, yeah. trip. you know, so it's probably more by that. But the whole question you have to ask is like, would my life, because just for other entrepreneurs, everyone's like, yeah, it's a lot of money, Rob, you should have got the legal fees. Right. You have to ask yourself, do you want your energy to just change to like suing people for fidget spinners? Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like not all money is good money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, as an entrepreneur, and for other alphas watching, right? Like we, you so often go off your intuition. Yeah. And it's like, risk reward. So, like, you know, the chances of that going quite how it did, you know, obviously must've been a smaller chances and the more, more reality, like you say, 40, 40 grand at that stage on something that, you know, you don't know exactly how big it's going to go. And if you start putting 40 grand into all, every idea you have. And we, and you know, it did multiple six figures, you know, but all of us have already invested the money elsewhere, you know, where it's yeah. like onto the next project. You know, so it's like, um, because also it's like in revenue, multiple six figures, then you take profit down. It's like, you know, just even being realistic, you have to sell like millions, millions yeah. in revenue for a product like that, you know, to really come away with something like super yeah. substantial, cool. you know, where it's like, can change yeah. your life. So in terms of that experience, what would you say would be your, your biggest takeaway or learning experience from the whole fidget spinner type scenario that happened for you? Yeah. I, and I, I think for me, it goes to that intuition component. So often as an entrepreneur, we operate off our intuition. And so for me, that feeling of like serendipity to be like, Oh, 
that's what it feels like, Rob, if you think this is going to go big and other people are telling you it's not. That's a good feeling that I'm going to take for the rest of my life throughout every business venture I do. You know, so that was the best takeaway of like trusting yourself and being able to see things be aligned before others can see something being aligned. And, you know, and I think it's up to us, something that I took away personally, something that the audience might be able to take away and value um, is this idea that if you put together something like the right product with the right message and leverage the proper marketing strategy, you know, you can also create a vital trend. The one thing though with fidget spinners is product campaigns do need to have some ad spend behind them. You know, yeah. So we probably invested like 50 grand in fidget spinner advertisements, you know, to be able to, you know, create like a big reach, you know? So it's like the thing to share is like the more practical components. Cause I think sometimes people are like, Oh, it looks, it went so viral, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> know that like that costs money to go viral. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, just being very, aware like as entrepreneur, to put yourself like in a position to be successful and find ways to drive revenue so that you can put yourself in the position to take something so simple as like a fidget spinner and do something with it. You know, cause if, you know, and if you don't have the money, find someone that can be an investor, you know, to do something because yeah, the practical aspects of it is like influencer marketing and marketing in general is just so much more money easier when you have more money to spend. Cool. And we're going to start wrapping up now with the alpha round. So I want to start that off with what is a particular quote that is almost like your life ethos or, you know, it just a quote that really resonates with you and, you know, springs to mind when I, someone asks you this question. So this quote changed my life and it was at the moment that, uh, I quit both sports and I walked into the philosophy library and in the Socrates section in a book called The Human Condition by Marcus Aurelius, it said this quote, it said, if you don't want to become the best of the best, if you don't want to become immortal amongst mortals, then you're not even human, but rather an animal that has lived, died, and been forgotten, content with the pleasures around them. Oh, that's deep. I like that one. We've never read that one before. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, Rob. Um, you mentioned quite a lot of books um, earlier in the show. So what would you say is a book that's had maybe the biggest impact or one that is kind of like you're most gifted that you give to other or recommend to other people? I think How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie is a standard that, you know, is something that you got to be reading like once every couple months you know i probably read that book like four or five times it's something that's great to breeze over yeah i think it's just the most practical book that it will just start allowing you to become more effective in like your relationships so that even if you're not as competent by the other books you can like properly be more incompetent and ask for help you know and, and it'll like help you out that book you know just navigating through life so i think how to win friends and influence people is is a goal cool. What's a particular, you know, practical resource you use across anything in your life, your business that you think's worth recommending and maybe not, maybe not so widely used or it could be quite simple. So whether it's something to do with your TV show or just something to keep yourself on schedule um, for your business or just something in life, is there any resources you'd like to recommend? I guess I could give like a little stack, you know, like if you have a team, you know, leveraging something like Basecamp or yep. Slack is a good idea. Just it's powerful to have people being able to talk to each other. 
it does become something to manage. So it is a new project if you're doing it in the right way. So it does have its pros and cons, you know, that somebody ends up having to manage it and there needs to be rules around it. It needs to be done the right way for live feeds using things like OBS. Okay. Talk to us a little bit about that then. Yeah. Let's go specific on that. So, so like if you want to do like live feeds, you know, using a program OBS allows you to, you know, put text over live streams. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, OBS is a good, good, good uh, program. You need to have a background in Photoshop to upload like PSD files mm -hmm. um, in order to like overlay images and whatnot. Awesome. You know, but if you're somebody that's in media and, and is doing live streams, you yeah. could increase the production value through software like OBS. And through your, your network and probably someone you might have interviewed yourself, who do you recommend would be a, a great interview for the Awaken Your Alpha podcast? Who springs to mind? Let me think. <laughs> I think uh, this young guy, Waleed Halti, would be a great, great guy. Oh, who's he? What's his little... Yes, yes. so Waleed's crushing it. Another, I think he's 23 years old, um, and he is the CEO founder of DaVinci Energy. Um, their solar company here in the States that's blowing up. They've done over 10 million in revenue in, in 10 months. Um, really a million a month, not some, a bad start. <laughs> yeah, really partnered up with some big brands and um, like Amazon and are just really have a deep mission to help others through, you know, sustainable energy and smart living. What is the best way for people to connect with you if they want to find out more about you and leave normal behind? So the best way to connect with me is on Facebook, either my public figure page or my personal page. You know, just typing in Rob Fajardo, R-O-B-F-A-J-A-R-D-O. -O. Yep. You'll be able to find me pretty easily. Cool, and um, we'll put the links in the show notes as well. Yeah, and, and then uh, yeah, yeah. leave normal behind on Facebook and Instagram as well. Send a message and you know, someone will definitely get to you. Awesome, I'm just gonna finish that because I'm gonna go grab my boy from school. Awesome. <laughs> so, but it's been an absolute pleasure today. I feel like we could uh, keep talking all day. You know, thanks so much for coming on, and I can't wait to share this out. I appreciate it, Adam. Thank you so much. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Head over to Facebook, Awaken Your Alpha with ALW, to join a great group of men in there. Do the little guy a favor subscribe and review, it'll help get him off my back. <laughs>